everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of Too Young to Be This Old. I'm Andy. Thanks for joining us again, or if this is your first time, thanks for finding us. Uh, today we have a pretty interesting topic. Uh, we call it uh, Movie Makers Not Taking Chances, and this is one that's pretty uh, important to you know our usual co-host here, Ben. Uh, but we also have a guest today. We have my buddy Austin. So Austin, let me let you introduce yourself to everybody. Sure. Uh, hey, everybody. <laughs> uh, my name is is Austin, as Andy said. I uh, do a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, I I uh, went to grad school for literature, so I, I know a lot of uh, sort of the critical academic side of things. Uh, but I also have kind of been in and around the film industry for many years, so I, I have some insight into sort of behind the scenes what happens and and whatnot so i hope i can uh, contribute tonight thanks for having me andy awesome all right and we have uh, our usual guest here ben so ben you want to say hi and i am not housekeeping usual guest i am a co-host damn it <laughs> that is fair <laughs> yeah and of course everybody already knows me i am ben just to let everyone know, you can find us on social media at Too Young to Be This Old. That is on Facebook and Twitter now, along with our website, which is podcast.tooyoungtobethisold.com. It can link you to all of our streaming um, and RSS feeds in any way you want to listen to this podcast. So, with all that out of the way, as Andy mentioned earlier, are movie makers no longer taking chances with films? Is Hollywood just remakes, reboots, and sequels? And that's really what I wanted to get into with Austin and Andy this evening. I really think before we can get started, I think we need to figure out what makes a movie successful and why Hollywood won't break these success types. All right. I mean, I can... All right. I'll let Austin <laughs> that one. Uh, I, you know, I, I can definitely uh, hop in here. So <sighs> that's sort of a sort of a sticky question because, you know, it, it's in a lot of ways entirely subjective, right? Like, you know, if you ask a critic what makes a movie successful, they're going to say something different than, you know, your average moviegoer who is going to say something different than, you know, the people uh, working on the film who will say something different than the people who are providing the money for the film. So I, I don't necessarily think there's one real answer to that question. However, there is when taken in the context of the larger question that we're talking about, which is, you know, movie makers taking chances on, uh, you know, new IP, uh, IP being intellectual property. Uh, and in that case, it's, it's almost certainly the people with the money because without the money, uh, the movies just don't happen, at least not, you know, at the, the blockbuster scale, unless, you know, somebody gets very lucky or already has a lot of money or, or whatever. Um, speaking of which, just to go off on a brief tangent, I just read an article about uh, how M. Night Shyamalan funded his last two films out of his own pocket and mortgaged his own house to get these films made. Like, whoa. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. So I thought it was interesting because <laughs> you talked about how it's always, you know, the ones with the money, right, that get these things greenlit. Um, and uh, 
you would think maybe somebody with kind of the the uh, background that M Knight has that it would be pretty easy to get some of those <laughs> ideas made, but apparently not. Right? He had to Wait, dig the, into his own pockets to. You, you just how do you know? not let the man made <laughs> Unbreakable make another movie, man? Because like me, what, it's funny. Did it's you funny see that the example. Last Airbender? Did you even see that movie? Listen, never exactly. Never happened. <laughs> 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 so I see why people don't want to give him money, but like Andy was saying, you know, M. Night Shyamalan's a pretty big name. Other than how bad Last Airbender was, he has a pretty solid track record. And uh... I, this will be the probably the only time in the history that the Last Airbender will ever be defended. If I had not oh. watched, if I had not watched the cartoon before I watched the live action movie, I probably wouldn't have been upset at the live action movie. I don't like to stop there. I, yeah, but, I think. I, mean, I, I think we should just. <laughs> that, that's, 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 that's all you can say there because otherwise, <laughs> totally different podcast. But no, I think that's a great point, Austin, right? And then, um, like you were saying, you know, it's all about the money or somebody just deciding to go ahead and uh, budget their own movie, right? And totally back it where. I guess that's why you're getting, you know, some of these good indie movies and you do get some from time to time, but. You know, it's it's pretty obvious, right? When you get these lower budget films that couldn't get that, uh, you know, true Hollywood blockbuster funding behind them. Sure. Um, and and I can go into in more detail what makes a money a movie a success. Sure. But I, I'm going to save some of that for a little later on when we're when we're talking about like uh, why studios are not making new films. Right. Uh, right. But for, so now, I guess in, for, for now the answer is is money if it makes right. money it's a success yeah right i think that's the uh the most simple way of of going at it right where as there can be many answers to that question um but ben money money is definitely what we're going to consider to be a successful movie which is going to make some people irate but that is what it is money's the bottom line here it's um, true you know battleship was successful right because it made money Ugh. Not in the U.S., but it made money in Europe. So, Warcraft. <laughs> yep, it, was, it made money. Um, you know, I, I actually the... decently enjoyed the Warcraft <laughs> yeah. movie. I mean, I, I mean I'm not, I'm not going to defend it as a good movie, but oh, I enjoyed God, it. No. God no, God no. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of the time when you think of this, like movies, you never hear the term a critical success with movies anymore because now that you have all these film critics saying whatever they want to say. You now have sites like Rotten Tomato and all these user review sites that are trying to sync movies before they even come out based on stuff that has nothing to do with the movie. Something we saw with Venom when Venom was going up against Star was uh, Star is Born, um, which I'll mention again later as uh, why there needs to stop being remakes in Hollywood. But yeah, that was the one where right they got flooded with fake reviews because people were wanting to uh, tank Venom and uh, push up A Star is Born. Um, but I think also you have the opposite too, right? A lot of times, um, one thing I think is good about user reviews is you have the times where movies just get absolutely panned by critics, right? Like no critic likes it. But you end up seeing that everybody, you know, all the users, I mean, you know, regular user reviews, right? Just people who are going to see the movie actually enjoy it. And... A lot of the time, that's more what convinces me to see a movie, right, than something that's gotten a ton of praise from the critics. 
Well, you know, this is something that we've we've been seeing a lot of lately, actually, and it's kind of becoming yeah. becoming a big deal, which is uh, the critics having such vastly different perspectives on films than the average audience member. Because, you know, I mean, the the whole point of well, this is debatable, but uh, let's just say for the time being that the the whole point of having critics is to have people see these movies and write you know something that somebody reading it can use to judge whether they want to see that movie or not right i mean at the end of the day i feel like a lot of the when you're looking at actual the actual critics writing i feel like a lot of them have kind of lost touch on what maybe the audience wants to see so they're really trying to break down a movie a structural a structured formula and they're trying to make sure the movie hits all the high points and if it doesn't meet whatever formula they set forward when they sit down for that movie, then of course it's not getting the review that it wants, or that, yeah. that the studio would want. Um, and and you know exactly as I said a, a minute ago, how I really enjoyed Warcraft, but I was would not defend it as a good movie. I think critics have, in a lot of ways, lost sight of the sheer enjoyment of a film being separate from its goodness or badness. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of film enjoy, and I don't know, Ben and I just had this conversation about hangover slash mindless movies, and a lot of those are not good movies. Skyscraper <laughs> did not get good reviews, but, <laughs> but it's that an was enjoyable a movie. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, I was um, happy but, but when I went to go see it. Go ahead, sorry, Ben. Even though you're saying Skyscraper, uh, this can, I want to circle this back around to remakes, reboots, and sequels. Skyscraper right. is nothing more than Towering Inferno with The Rock. Yeah. Slash Die Hard. S- slash Die Hard. But, so, I, I guess we're, we're focusing on the success thing a little much because we're adamant about it. That's fair. Uh, what was the other movie? What, we... Are you talking about pretty the much other every we movie we watched that Saturday? Night. Oh, Geostorm. Yeah, oh, God. Oh, jeez. Don't make me watch that again. <laughs> I... I I would watch it again, like this weekend. I better be hung over <laughs> before do, I watch the movie again. Do y'all remember the core? <laughs> oh, oh god, yes. god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 okay, but basically, but, I think I think we can uh, look, sum too- up the critics. <laughs> Film critics are not in touch with the audience anymore, and the audience, while being a better base with every audience member being able to have a voice for seeing some that get skewed just for the sake of being skewed. Yeah, sure. That's a, that's a fair point. Okay, so I, th- I think that, that could be the critics there and how we sure. feel about them. Because user review sites is a whole other podcast that we'll have to have one day, Andy. Yeah, you, that's you, true. You've heard that rant before. I have, I have. <laughs> um, awards aren't necessarily the best judge of a movie's success either because they usually go to the movies that a lot of the times the movie that made the most impact, which may not always be the best selling movie. Yeah. I mean, a, a fairly, a fairly big production in one way or the other. Right. Or yeah, I had some kind of like, super, you know, like you said, a really huge impact, which I guess, you know, this is pretty relevant to right now with the latest group of uh, Oscar nominations. Right. It's been pretty polarizing. Yeah, yeah, the uh, Oscar noms, as I like to call them, the noms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which Black Panther's up for like a ton of things, and everybody's upset that it's up for things. 
Yeah, you know, the, I think the issue here is that people don't understand what it is that that the Oscars are are for. You know, it's not necessarily for like the movie with the best actors in it or uh that you know were critically the best or whatever it's just a bunch of people who are who are in the academy who vote on what movies they liked you know that's all there is to it there's really not much science behind it right it's just (laughs) this group of people like this movie the most and there you go the Oscar yep. nominations to me feel a lot like the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame voting. There's no transparency, so you have no idea what the criteria. Yeah, right, right, and yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it kind of ends up being like a almost a popularity contest in that case, at least. Right, and we've already talked about money, so I guess that covers what we we're going to say about box office. Sure. Do we want to move on to trends? Yes, let's right. let's get to the meat of what we want to talk about here and the disturbing trends that we see. Um starting with sequels. So I I want to take this opportunity to ask you all a question. So really you could take a note from the Fast and Furious series uh and <laughs> name, name your podcast the number 2 Young, the number two, <laughs> the number two old. I actually, I actually considered that. I, I told him, and he he shot it down so fast. I had already actually written it out that way, and I was like, "Man, I do not drink enough Monster, and my name is not Kyle. I can't pull this off." <laughs> yeah, you you hated that so much when yeah. I even suggested. I, I hated the it idea. so much, but I did use it as a hashtag on yeah. Twitter because it's much more hashtag. Yeah, that's true. You know, speaking of of Fast and the Furious, um, my my friends and I were we were so tickled when they when they went for too fast, too furious for for part yes. two that we just kept that going all the way through. <laughs> so three fast, three furious, four fast, four oh furious, all the way through <laughs> until until and this is this is where it gets great. You may remember that number eight was f8 of the so fate of the furious yes, i do remember so, that. so at, at that moment i decided that that was so beautiful that i would just run with that from now on <laughs> so the next one is going to be Fanine of the furious <laughs> were you also were you still living in uh in miami when they made too fast too furious uh yeah, I think so. Do you remember all the drama around all the highway closings? Because I remember that being oh, like, yeah. such a huge deal. Remember, like people <laughs> were so angry. They kept having to reshoot things, and they kept having to reclose chunks of the highway. And people were so, so done with that shit. Yeah, it was the um. Wasn't was... your um? You mentioned it on our. Yeah, my grandfather was on the. Uh, he was on the the production crew for that movie. Oh yeah, and I remember. Uh, I think True Lies, part of that movie, was filmed in Miami too. Yeah, and probably shut down one of the the big bridges. Yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> and bad boy. But, but anyway, the the fact, yeah, there are, <laughs> the fact there are nine movies in Fast of the Furious. Like, what? Why are we even doing this anymore? Um, because and, my. I am still there opening day every time. <laughs> also, 
I like totally lost track of the of the series for a while, right? I think the last one I actually saw in theaters was Tokyo Drift. And I didn't realize how complicated (laughs) I didn't realize how complicated the like series itself got where, you know, one movie happened before, you know, the third, the third one technically takes place after all. It's like the you could make like a web of the the plots and and when actually things are occurring in the Fast and Furious universe, which probably that's another podcast. There's way more depth to the Fast and Furious than than there needs to be. Right, you, you, you can but like speaking, build one of those one of those yeah. conspiracy boards where you like <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> you know, there's way more to meet to the eye to Fast and Furious than most people give it credit for. But that also leads me into something else that's more than meets the eye, and that's the Transformers series. I don't get it. Why? Why did you say that? That will not stop happening. <laughs> <laughs> The best one by far is Marky Mark and the uh, the prehistoric bunch. Oh, they're all so <laughs> bad though. They're so bad. <laughs> like it, but least. they're entertaining. But so they like... made so many dollars. <laughs> they do. Yeah. They're successful. Yeah. Well, you know, I hear, I hear John Cena's in uh, the new one, but I can't see. At least the <laughs> the recent Fast and the Furious films have have been at least enjoyable. Yeah, uh, I I haven't enjoyed a Transformer movie in years since Shia LaBeouf was in it. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so I mean, when it comes to sequels, right? I think I was just looking, and in 2018, there was at least, according to IMDb, 32 different sequels released. Um, and some of these, some of these series, like nobody needed a sequel for right give us a couple names of that nobody uh, needed a sequel list. you know uh mama mia here we go again i don't know if we yeah. need a sequel there we did not uh, need the, to go the, again the first purge oh, don't think we yeah. needed it uh no. a sequel to the strangers which was a bad movie in like 2007 so yeah. the strangers pray at night no no we didn't need it. hotel transylvania <laughs> 3 vacation oh <laughs> yeah so just yeah. really yeah hold on sherlock gnomes apparently is technically a sequel all i right. mean yeah i can i can keep going i mean but uh do, are there any more that we're gonna know mm, in there you know you probably know cloverfield paradox which oh that was its own podcast <laughs> what was that austin that was what <laughs> I, no, I kind of enjoyed that movie on a certain level. I enjoyed it on the level that I watched it on a flight back home, and I didn't fall asleep immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Unfriended, Dark Web. I mean, yeah, so quite a few sequels this past year. I, I just kept wishing that Cloverfield Paradox was uh, Event Horizon. I had the same this same exact thought while I, it's just that's what I wanted and it never became that and I kept waiting for the movie I almost felt like I kept waiting for the start same and and I just sat there and I was like when's when's the movie when's it getting good and uh, <laughs> yeah mm, just to just to go back to ridiculous sequel uh, 2017 did fix did feature triple X return of Xander Cage. Oh, <laughs> But I'm 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 gonna stop naming sequels because we could just spend the whole podcast. I could just name sequels and have you guys, uh, you know, react. Just grown to you know, 
uh, you know, the mummy being, but that's a reboot. So maybe that segues us into that perfect, does segue us perfect uh, entry into our next topic. Yes. Yes, it does. Reboots you know, I, I actually, I actually thought the mummy was better than you keep telling me that. And I haven't people watched it. Yet, made it out to be, I'm going to trust no. you and I'm going to watch it. Oh no, no, no. It was a bad movie, but it was way better than I <laughs> thought it was going to be. Right. Right. So not, not the absolute train wreck you expected when you started watching that. Yeah, no, I just expected a total mess. And it was, it was only a little messy. With Tom Cruise, which made it better. It, right. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of sequels nobody needs, I love Tom Cruise movies, and even I don't think that we need this many Mission Impossibles. No, I I went into a probably pretty deep coma during. I I passed out in that theater. But in this in this past year, just in recent memory, I listed a few that have have been rebooted or may uh, about to be rebooted. Um, like we've already mentioned, we had the Mummy, we had Tomb Raider get a reboot. Which did anybody really want the first series of Tomb Raider movies? No, but I'll say this: this recent one, I actually didn't mind it because it was. It was basically they took the game and okay so so not only did they try to reboot a franchise that was nothing new brought in because they just copied the game completely yeah they just made another video game movie um power rangers got a reboot (laughs) i love power rangers not sure how i feel about the reboot and in the future we have um men in black international which will be a reboot or retake on the men in black franchise and then Ghostbusters 2016. Mm. Oof. We're also getting a new Mulan here soon. That actually is going to go in the next category, Andy. Oh, you're right. You're right. That's a... <laughs> you got, I got you. All right. Okay. So I, I want to take a brief moment to talk about something that is something that we have, have touched on in, in academia in uh, sort of critical analysis. Uh, which is the the idea of the repeatable experience. So, uh, I'm sure you you've seen you know these like books at the grocery store that are like you know either generic thrillers or romance novels or uh, they used to have westerns, but those have, have dropped a lot in popularity. But right, you know, and it was just like they just. That there are these authors that just put out these books over and over again, just and, pump them out. Yeah, and and people buy them, and it's yeah. you know they each one follows a, a a formula. There's no surprises in these books. You know, people buy them, not wanting to be surprised, but wanting to be given an experience that is similar to a previous experience that they have enjoyed, right? So yeah, it, yeah, it's it, fair because it's it's comfortable. So they're not having to, you know, go too far out of their comfort zone to enjoy this. Because yeah, this is like exactly. That's so, why there's a thousand different murder shows on TV. So exactly, uh, I thought so, that was informative murder porn. Yeah, I mean, that's a... <laughs> <laughs> um, but so when you start to think about movies and series in the from the perspective of the repeatable experience uh then you you sort of start to understand what people are looking to get out of these films right so they come in with certain expectations and that's why you see things 
that that can work against movies sometimes when they try to uh, break away from the experience that they've sort of coached their audience to expect, uh, which, as I'm, I'm sure I don't need to say, uh, very clearly happened with The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Oof. I'll, let, I'll let you talk a little bit there if you want, Ben. I know. I don't. I don't. I don't forever. want to. Okay. <laughs> I, I'll just say I know several people who who really enjoy it, but also, like he kind of said, I completely feel like that was they knew Star Wars fans would go see it, so that's what we got. Yeah, I mean, and you know, like Austin was talking about the repeatable experience, they're gonna enjoy it. It's like the studios. You know, the people making the financial decisions there can sit there and be like, this is going to make money because it made money before. Go ahead. Yeah. Right? Because they know that there's this already built-in audience for this movie and everything else is just, you know, gravy, right? Just right. just extra topping because no, they're going to make their money back. And, and at going the end to what of the you day, just said about the studio saying like, hey, it worked before. Let's do it again. I think that can fall in. That can be our segue into our remakes that are exactly happening. Um, right. Disney, I think, is by far the worst offender of this one because it seems like every Disney movie, animated Disney movie that we released when I was growing up, is now re-releasing as a live-action movie. <laughs> well, yeah, because you you have the the brand recognition already. You know, they know they can never reanimate that movie because. You know that would like be seen as heresy, but riots in the street, <laughs> right? Oh. Exactly. But live action movies, they can cash in on that. Oh yeah, Beauty and the Beast was good, right? I don't feel like, and this sounds blasphemous for me to say, I don't feel like I want to see the new Lion King. <sighs> I, I mean, I don't I think anybody's going to force you. <laughs> yeah, nobody's I, I, I just, I, nobody's going to make me, but I just, but, I like. Ben, when they reboot Bloodsport, are you going to go see that rebooted Bloodsport? Um, Andy, <laughs> see, they didn't reboot Bloodsport because John Claude Van Damme is still in the movie. It's just a take on Bloodsport because I've done watched all of them on Netflix. Son. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think you know, I, I think that's some good points there. But um, when it comes to Disney, I agree they kind of take that and just go all. Yeah running in. with it right um, yeah, yeah. I, I, another big one that came to mind when i was looking at things was uh this was going back to 2016 again ben hur yeah uh, i remember that but yeah like remaking that movie and i don't think i think the original was so great because at the time it was stuff we'd never seen yeah, well, you have to remember also that when Ben-Hur came out, it was a lot like Avatar, um, and by which I mean the... Groundbreaking. The one, with, the one with, you know, the big blue people, not the one uh, with the airbenders. Not the one that never that. happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah but they yeah. They never the, attached the name Avatar to it. Yeah, the, the reason why Ben-Hur did well back then is, is because, exactly as you said, it was a spectacle film. And that's the same reason Avatar did well. You know, nobody looks back and is like, wow, Avatar, that was a great movie. I'm going to, you know, show this movie to my kids when they get old enough. 
you know, yeah, it wasn't it, it wasn't for the story; it was for the technology, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And then even a great award winner that we've seen uh, this Oscar season, A Star Is Born. That is a that was made because the story, the original story, has now hit public domain. So it was up for grabs to be remade. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that either. So yeah. easy to cash so, in on, I guess. Easy to cash in. It was, I mean, everybody's talking about how great of a director Bradley Cooper is. It's pretty easy to direct when your script's already been written before. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really that, good point. That being said, I did not know Bradley Cooper could sing as well as he can. And it's not fair. It's not fair. Bradley <laughs> Cooper, all. The Rock, John Cena, Chris Jericho. It's not fair how much talent those four people possess. Right. And so one thing, I mean, we've talked a lot about, we've kind of, you know, bagged on, on reboots, right? But, you know, do either of you guys have a, you know, a favorite franchise that was rebooted or, you know, just single, you know, production that was rebooted that you were really happy they went back and did again? Uh, Spider-Man. All right. The second time they rebooted it with, um, so you mean the most, the most recent one, right? Okay. Yes. Okay. Because the Amazing Spider-Man was hot trash. That didn't happen. So it let's never not, happen. Let's not overlook Into the Spider Verse, which was fantastic. That's true. Which was amazing. That hasn't seen it, but I agree. Oh, uh, I, I thought that, that was fantastic. But How about should, you? Uh, go ahead. Sorry, Ben. I was gonna say, but it still should not be best film. Like people are ranting about animated film. Yeah, it can go in the animated character category, and that's fine. Yeah, but uh, sorry. So Austin, best uh, reboot for you? And that's that's a tough call. So I I kind of want to say Star Wars, but I don't know that that really falls into reboot territory. I'd like I'd give it to you. <laughs> I would use that more as a sequel, but yeah, it's it's kind of bringing the Star Wars universe into it's it's brought it back. I mean, the same way that like Star Trek, like the new cinematic Star Trek, has brought it back into you know um, the you know more general public, right? Where now we got a new Star Trek series, and and Star Trek is being talked about again. Where it seems like for a long time you you didn't hear anything unless you were at you know, Dragon Con, right? Yeah, hanging no. around you. <laughs> yeah, and that's you know true. that uh, that's the same reason why when Lucas sold uh, Star Wars to Disney, a lot of folks were really down on it and were really upset, and they were like, and then they saw the Last Jedi and their fears were <laughs> I somehow knew you were going to come in with something. I was <laughs> waiting, <laughs> but but no, as I was trying to say, like. You know, people were real upset about it. And I was like, you know what? Lucas is just sitting on the IP and not doing anything with it. And, you know, even if Disney is going to fucking burn it to the ground, I don't care because we're going to get a lot more Star Wars content. And, you know, to be fair, like for a good couple of years there, things were great. And it was a great time to be a Star Wars fan. And then... The Last Jedi happened, and the entire Star Wars fandom just destroyed itself. Yeah, basically. But, I mean, I think that's a good point. I mean, I'm happy that at least we've gotten more. And, I mean, on my end, I've, I've enjoyed it. have gotten this far. So, I, I definitely like, I just I, I want to say I'm, I will talk a lot of shit 
about Last <laughs> Jedi. I did enjoy watching the movie. Yeah, you did. But, but I'm also the same person that watches Transformers. I enjoyed it because it was an entertaining <laughs> film, but it did not feel like Star Wars to me. So I am firmly in the pro Last Jedi camp, and I watched it in the theater, and I enjoyed it, and I was like sort of whatever about it. But then I watched it again, uh, I don't know, within the last year or something like that. And when I watched it through for a second time, I was like, wow, this is a really, this is a really ballsy movie. <laughs> like, I, I really appreciate that they made this movie. Like, like, how did this happen? How did all of these people let this happen? Like, how did they let him take these chances and do all of these things? And for me, that was a big payoff for me. Like, I, I loved the hell out of that. I was surprised. I had a great experience. Like, I found it to be relatively consistent. And, like, I just thought it was, it was really impressive. So much consistency. And spoiler alert, Leia forced jumping him back on a spaceship after showing no signs of <laughs> sensitivity in any of the other movies. Oh, Hashtag man, but... done. No, I mean, I think they gave him all that leeway, right? Because of what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. It, it already, it's, they made so much money that they, it kind of seems like they were like, go ahead, you got this. Yeah, it can't fail. We can't, can't go fail. wrong. It's going to be fine. And then also we got Solo, which... Um, I know Austin, you were talking about like rewatching Last Jedi, so I rewatched Solo recently. And... How Solo got his items back, <laughs> right? But I rewatched <laughs> Solo recently, and when I first saw it in the movies, I... yeah, I enjoyed that. It's fine. Second time, I enjoyed it like three times more. Um, yeah. Just, I think I took more time to appreciate the visual effects and and everything about it. I actually was pretty uh, pretty happy with it, but. I won't spend too much time on my best reboot, but I thought the 2012 uh, reboot of Dread was fantastic. Oh, God. You are so right, my friend. <laughs> that movie is an underrated it was, phenomenon. It was one of those things that they did on a pretty small budget. They, yeah. they didn't spend a whole lot on that production. Um, you know, it I all bet you when place. they get to do that Dread too. Oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be, be like, huge. cash, here you go. Right, but from... And I, I watched it a while ago, so my memory might be failing me here. But I think a lot of it was just within that, uh, within that high rise, like the that yeah, that block was and that was nearly the whole film. Yeah, it was kind of the whole thing, and and I I I really really enjoyed that one, and I thought that was a I, I was happy with that reboot, and I'm sad we haven't Dread. I just hope that we eventually get another Dread because I'll be I'll be in line for that sequel. Yeah, well, you know, going back to what we were talking about in terms of what makes a movie a success, it just didn't make a lot of money. Yeah, and also I forgot something now when I was just a poster for it, is that uh, in 2012 we were doing that 3D stuff like real hard, so it was Dread 3D in the movie poster a lot. So <laughs> I wonder if that turns some people off to it. Yeah, I know it's really not in good seat in theaters. Yeah. Um, and... I guess moving to our last part, um, that is the growing trend, shared universe content. And what I mean by this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the DC Cinematic Universe, and now we're even seeing expand to the Potterverse with Fantastic Beast. All hey, don't movies. don't forget Star Wars. We've got the, yeah. you know, like Rogue One and Solo coming out yeah. now. So. The side franchises. Yeah, okay. There you go. 
thank you. But, but yeah, so I, it's just one of those things where, uh, like, if I drove by the theater today, and you know, Aquaman's still in theaters. Did did anybody ask for Aquaman? <laughs> you know, no. you know. But to be you honest, got it. I I think some people did ask for Aquaman, like solely because of Jason Momoa. Yeah, if it hadn't have been yeah. him, Aquaman, I think I would actually be angry about it. But I'll go see me some Jason Momoa. Yeah, <laughs> I still haven't gotten to see it, but I totally still want to see Aquaman. Yeah, but it's just one of those things where, like, you know, all these. Super- the one that comes to my mind that the only reason it got made was the Marvel Cinematic Universe was Ant Man. I loved Ant Man. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's bad. But if you ask a hundred people who their favorite superhero is and who they want to say, I want to see a movie about that superhero, there is not one out of that hundred that goes, you know, it'd be great, an Ant Man movie. Ant Man. (laughs) (laughs) Not one person is going to say, you know what, Ant Man movie, let's make it happen. And give it a sequel. Totally accurate. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's uh, totally true. So, you know, that that's kind of the thing there. And with Fantastic Beasts, like, not saying I don't like films, but first one definitely felt like it could be its own movie. Second one definitely feels like it's cashed in. The second one I had a lot of problems. But, I mean, more than it just felt like they were trying to, they were trying, like, I think, Ben, you and I talked about this, they were trying to set up so much, right, in that second movie. Yeah, too too yeah. much too much going on. So many different storylines get introduced, and, yep. and so many different things get brought up and that are huge deals and just kind of get brushed along, because they got to keep that story moving. Yep. Well, the, so. the first movie was based on a book. Sort of. It was, yeah, sort of. Yes. But the others, and like... the second one is technically based on books that J.K. Rowling the script that J.K. Rowling wrote. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like, it's events that you hear about throughout the Harry Potter Yeah, expanded to be an entire movie. Right, where where I think you know, like I don't want to get too deep, but there were some, you know, random inconsistencies that I know drove a lot of uh, Potterverse fans pretty pretty crazy over right because they maybe got a few things wrong or kind of blurred a few things as to what you know from the books and what they all of a sudden just made part of now the cinematic cinematic uh harry potter let's talk about how jude law looked in fantastic (laughs) he is only 30 years younger than he would be yeah right right (laughs) that's sort of like uh what's his name from uh x-men first class Oh, James McAvoy. McAvoy. Yeah, McAvoy. There we go. Uh, compared to, of could course, not remember that name last <laughs> podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, compare him to Patrick Stewart, and yeah, 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 exactly. That's where you know some of these some of these shared content, great, but then you know some of them are uh, Suicide Squad, so. Let's let's not talk about that movie. Let's <laughs> not even not even touch that. <laughs> so we've talked about what studios are doing now. Let's try to find the root cause of why these studios won't take risk on new IPs. And I believe I figured it out on all accounts. And it occurs in the year 2012. When a movie called John Carter is released. 
Yeah, I can. And that's can the, the key. I, I can talk about John Carter a little bit. I, uh, you know, I, I've read all the books. Um, it it kind of falls within my academic purview, uh, uh, sort of just outside of it, but you know, whatever. Um, so it was it was really cool that they uh, made this film, and to be totally honest, like the film wasn't actually that bad. It was it was actually pretty decent, but they just did not market it at all, and nobody knew what the it was about exactly i mean that's that's, the issue, that's one of those though. points that i wanted to bring up this i think this whole podcast is what i was thinking about when we started this topic is that so many times they do take a chance and they bring out something new and interesting and a really cool concept it gets marketed horrifically and nobody knows what to expect and then because of the marketing it gets panned because it's not what the reviewers, you know, or what the critics expected uh, because they're going off one format, right? I've seen a ton of movies in theater that were marketed, you know, as one thing, and then you get in there and they are not the movie you thought you were coming to see. I mean, Cabin one recently, Cabin in the Woods. Yep, that's a good one. But that was a great movie. I was happy yeah, about oh, that. Dude, well, no, um, that one sticks out to me the most because me and my wife went to go see it. Right. And the guy goes, you know this is a comedy, not a horror movie. And I was like, wait, what? Also, uh, screw that guy. What a jerk. He just totally ruined it for you. <laughs> well, no, no. He, no, because the theater had to issue so many refunds. Oh, did they? Yes. Oh, that's hilarious. Yes. There were so I many mean, people upset one, about it. Um, one that I can think of recently that made a lot of people angry and the difference is like, I don't know if either of you guys saw Mother um, in 2017, but that was marketed as an entirely different movie. And I think more skewed as like kind of like a horror thriller and was really a very artsy metaphorical kind of movie. And it turned so many people off. Right. Um, but you know, Austin, I, I don't mean to totally interrupt you, but I think that's a great point, right? It was that the, they just totally missed the ball with the marketing on uh, John Carter, especially. Yeah, and that, you know that's certainly far from the only movie where that happened. Um, yeah, I think it. In fact, I think it just happened recently with uh, Mortal Engines. Oh right, yeah, I didn't see that one. I had no idea what to expect out of it, though. Yeah, I didn't see it either. Ben, did you see it? <laughs> no, I haven't. But I do yeah. want to see it. It looked intriguing. But yeah, I, just don't have, I don't have. But see, nobody on. nobody rushed out to go see it because the marketing was all kind of bland, like pictures of like steampunk machines doing things. Yeah, it it like almost like uh, just like a really bad like like they steampunk took a generic steampunk anime, turned it into a movie, right? Like it just it, it felt that all the all the trailers I saw, like it's like I want be excited about it and i could not like, right, nothing, like nothing could bring me to go see that movie if i if i watch a trailer and i have no idea what to expect from the movie i'm probably not going to go see that movie you know no yeah exactly i mean you, you're not gonna you're not gonna go see it or if you you know if you end up going to see it and it's something totally different and you were excited for what it was marketed as, you might feel like you were tricked into going to right? Yep, absolutely. And, I mean, I can think of, you know, one of my favorite movies, uh, Stay, which I can 
probably confirm that neither of you have seen. Um, I remember that back in 2005 being marketed as a horror movie, and it was not that at all. It was a like psychological thriller, and uh, nobody liked it because it it got marketed wrong. Fair enough. It happens, you know. Yeah, and you know, I think that that kind of really, I think, is a big piece of it, right? Is I've seen how many of these fail but i don't think any of them really see the failures more their end than the movie content in a lot of cases um because i think a lot of times some of these movies go on to be kind of cult hits or you know uh more popular once they're out on netflix or something else than they were when they were actually in the cinema starship troopers yeah oh that was a freaking classic so good but in the case of john carter you have a movie that cost wasn't it Disney that made it? It was. Yeah, basically I think it cost them almost a billion dollars between oh movie and marketing, and they made maybe a hundred million back on it. Seems about right. Ouch. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's and it's their own like, fault. It is. Yeah. Okay. Well, also, but, I mean, because, because of that, that right? Like, they killed no the. New ideas. Yeah, and also John Carter itself. There's supposed to be a trilogy of. Um, oh yeah, well the, there's like ten. How many books 14? are there? Yeah, uh, some yeah. large number of books. Yeah, you get nothing because you cost us too much money. <laughs> you cost us too much money. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, um, and unlike a lot of those films, like the John Carter style film, if they do bad over here. Warcraft, a great example, didn't do great over here. Fucking killed it in China. Yeah, <laughs> John Carter <laughs> killed it nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> There's well, not one place that it well, but uh, Austin, I think you were trying to lead into something. Yeah, yeah. Do, do y'all mind if I take a minute to talk about like, like what actually does make money in oh, theaters? Go ahead. Yeah, go and, ahead. And, and sort of like the reason I, I mentioned this back, like in the very beginning of our talk, where I was going to talk about something later. Well, now it's later, and I'm going to talk about that thing. Let's go. Do it. <laughs> so basically, like. What you have to understand in order to appreciate why studios go with uh, remakes is that there are a number of things. So actually, let me take a step even further back than that. Let's say that you are an executive and you have fucking shitloads of money, right? And you would like to make additional shitloads of money. Well, to you making these movies is is a business venture you're not like you know worried about creating you know the next incredible work of art you're looking to get a return on your investment right and and you know everybody knows that that's not like new information right 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 but what most people don't realize is what those executives look at numbers wise in order to make decisions based on what is a good or a bad investment and and that's sort of what i want to go into really quick um what when you have a a new film that does not have an established ip or an established following that is going to be a risk so often they're going to try to mitigate that risk by putting big name sort of actors in the film because let's be let's be honest here 
a lot of times people go see films based on the actors in it, not what it's about or, you know, what the trailer was like or whatever. No, no, it's because they have, you know, um, I like that guy. I'm going to go see this movie. Yeah, like, you know, people go like, oh, Brad Pitt is in this new movie. I'm going to go see that. Yeah. You know? Um. And that's that's sort of like... (laughs) And tabloids play into that, too, because tabloids build up this whole mythology around these these actors. And seeing the films kind of, like, makes you feel like you're participating in this this mythology of their lives. Um, So that's a big thing. And you know, a lot of times if you watch movies about making movies, you'll hear people talking about like, you know, what actor signed on to the film or, oh, if I can only get this actor to sign on to this film, then we'll be able to get, you know, funding. And that, and that's a real thing. You know, a lot of times people just will not, uh, you know, put money down on the film if there's not a big name star attached. Right. I mean, it's, it's filled of like, unknown first-time actors right exactly money to make it so another way that they make that decision is if the the name of the film or franchise or intellectual property or whatever has like brand recognition value among people because you know i mean let's let's say like uh I don't know what was a crappy kind of weird movie that came out recently like i don't know like battleship or oh, rampage yeah. hey hey you watch whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, 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 I know what you mean yeah that's that's definitely up there yeah you know and i mean even hercules reason, made money the only reason it was the only reason those movies made any money at, or the, the only reason those movies got made is because people were like, oh, yeah, Rampage. A lot of people, you know, remember that game from when they were a kid, you know, and if they I remember, think, then I they'll think you missed the, the point on what made Rampage money. It was they cast Dwayne The Rock Johnson to be in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's his point, formula, right? <laughs> the formula to make money in Hollywood or at Nile is camera plus rock equals money. <laughs> no and you're not wrong and that's you know that's exactly part of it um so they they always try to find like a like an anchor actor for the series and you'll right. you know, you'll see like in rampage it was uh the rock you know in uh transformers it was uh shia labeouf uh you know they they always try to get somebody there who's going to be a draw because they want the brand recognition of people who remember whatever the ip is coupled with the people who are interested in that actor you know because that's like a like a one-two punch combo right there where you are almost guaranteed to make money oh definitely i mean i think and then sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't right obviously but like i don't i mean i don't know if it's the same for you guys but when i first started seeing that they were bringing out a new Jumanji besides the fact that rock was going to be in it. I was like, this is, this is going to be a, this is going to be a trade wreck. Right. But it <laughs> one was absolutely enjoyable and they're making a second one did so well. And now the second one's one. going to have Danny DeVito in it. So <laughs> they did good. Um, oh my God. Lethal weapon. I'm too old for this. 
Danny Glover. Danny, Danny, Danny Glover. Glover. I was like, I was about to say Donald Glover. I'm like, that's not the right Glover. Wrong one. <laughs> the incorrect Glover. Okay. But yeah, I think that's that's great, Austin. I think that's a, like really good insight, right, into what does make money, and it it is a lot about that. Like going back to what you started on earlier, right? The repeatable experience and the comfort level. Because you're oh, comfortable. Was great in this movie, so he's yeah, great in every movie. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. same thing with Nicolas Cage, right? It works what? forever. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. But uh, Nicolas Cage is the national treasure. He's coming back. He's making a comeback. <laughs> it's going to be the year of Cage soon, and I'm I'm so right. He was in Spider Verse, so I really liked him in Kickass. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know if y'all really saw. Apparently, there were there were some articles that came out today or yesterday about how he signed on to some weird cosmic horror HP oh, Lovecraft. Yeah, movie. yeah. I was gonna send that to you, but I'm glad you saw. Because <laughs> <laughs> we is, both appreciate Nicolas Cage too much. That is gonna be amazing. So good. Um, but even yeah, if it's I mean, terrible. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so um, I definitely think we've covered why studios don't take risks. Right. Um, and it all comes down to that bottom dollar. And yeah. I think we also covered reasons they should take risks when we were talking about some of those cult classics like Starship Trooper um, and things like that that did make money, may not have made it right for that, but did turn around to be decent films that made money in the long run. Well, unfortunately, um, there's not there's not really a whole lot of, of uh, solid reasoning for them to make new films based on new ip i mean if, if we're talking about money yeah. like you know the odds of a new ip making money are you know are, are just less than an established ip yeah i mean it ends up being more more work than it's worth they don't really care about reward. they don't really care about pumping out quality content right it's all about how much are we making right so right yeah and with that in mind um I'll start with Andy. I would like to pose the question, what's a movie franchise that you enjoy that there's no way they would come out with now? Um, so I wanted to say Evil Dead. I know they rebooted it, but it was horrible. But I don't think they make the <laughs> Evil Dead they made in the 1980s. <laughs> you, just That doesn't get greenlit nowadays with not yeah not not the way it did but i mean i'd also say um not even a franchise but like one-off i i don't see uh you know a uh sorry i was gonna pick another one that totally got remade um but i don't see demolition man happening now <laughs> i don't see any of sylvester stallone's movies happening now no yeah i don't see demolition man or or either even some other like um, things like Pagemaster. Uh, that was ooh fantastic movie. I don't think you get deep that cut there. Now. Deep oh, yeah. cut there. Yeah, man, wouldn't have thought of that one at all. That's one of my favorites. Um, for me, when you look, I, I'm just gonna explain the movie badly, and you tell me the movie. Oh yes. <laughs> um, hacker tries to take down computer mainframe to save humanity. Does there's, that movie... there's so many movies with that plot. Like... Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I forgot. Mean, Everyone I'm... lives. Everyone is batteries. Tron? No. 
The Matrix. Does The Matrix oh. get made in today's <laughs> day and age? I mean, I don't That's... see why not, I guess. Well, I think I think before Keanu Reeves started being the, the new Keanu Reeves that we love and know, maybe not. But now, I think you could put Keanu Reeves in anything, right? Because he's got that, he's that recognizable name. But I, I get your point. Yeah, well, even without Keanu Reeves, just... I want to know what the the office was like in there when that <laughs> when they, got pitched. Right. Like, all right. So we're gonna have this thing where uh, people are gonna realize they're in a computer simulation, and when they come out into the real world, it's all been destroyed, and they're basically batteries that keep the computer running. What? How much did you smoke before you came into this meeting room? Nah, they gotta take a red or a blue pill. <laughs> So, so personally speaking, I I think that that any movie could be made these days. Like, you know, it, it's really just a matter of the right people wanting to make it happen badly enough. You know, like I mean, Lover if you doesn't think get made in twenty eighteen, uh, well, I mean, because well, it was already yeah. made. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's what I'm talking about. Like movies that came out in the past. That you couldn't you couldn't do it on. now if it had never yeah. happened before. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but I, I think somebody could get away with that now. I, you know <laughs> the, the only thing Airbud gets think... shut down in production right now. Look who's talking gets oh, shut down uh, because yeah. babies can't say what they want to do. I mean, yeah. there there's too to me there's too many of those old movies that we look back at kind of funny those are great movies that just you don't see them happen today with the bottom line always being yeah well, i think i think that society has has kind of moved a lot in the last say 20 years right uh, you know and we're just not in a place right now where we want the same things that we did oh it's you know? true i mean go back and watch some old james bond movies they don't age well Oh, oh no, they do not. They don't age well. Like you would, they would never make that movie, right? In this, I mean, they they'll make a James Bond movie, but some not of the things that favorite. happen in some of the old James Bond movies are just oh, they, don't they, they don't age well because they're wrong. <laughs> don't even get me started on Thunderbolt. That was yeah. not okay. No, Oof. no, not at all. Um, so I, I mean, I think that's a good point, right? Well, Austin, what you were saying is that the you know, society advancing so much, it's, you know, not, not a thing anymore. They wouldn't even be a consideration, right? Yeah, no, definitely. But now, that said, I something that I want to talk about before we move on is, since we're sort of in this area where we're talking about reasons why studios don't take risks and reasons that they should and and whatnot, like, I... I want to circle back around to the very beginning of our conversation, which was where we sort of talked about uh, what makes a film successful, right? And we kind of agreed for the sake of this thing to talk about money as, as being a success, an indicator of success, I should say. But at the same time, you know, there are a lot of other things that contribute to a film being considered successful by a lot of people. And since we're talking about, you know, 
why people should make films, I, I do want to mention that, you know, films give a, a value to our society. And as we were just talking about how society has changed, you know, largely that change is both reflected and caused by film and television and, and our, our media. So I think that making new films and going in new directions is a very important part of our sort of national societal, perhaps international uh, discussion as to what is right and wrong and what our values are and, you know, what, how we should grapple with the future in a lot of ways and, and even the past and the present. Right. And I think, you know, that just made me think about something, you know, thinking we're thinking about movies made now that got made previously, but there are some movies I can think of that have gotten made recently, very recently, that I don't think would have been made even, you know, uh, six or seven years ago. Um, like one that comes to mind is Vice. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it yet, mm-hmm. but I think you all know the topic, right, of the movie yes. Vice and, and what it goes into. And I'm sure everybody listening to us at least read about it because it's an Oscar nominee. But I don't think that movie gets made even five years ago because of how just brutally uh critical it was of a previous uh you know presidential administration right Mm. and and that's something i think we've gotten comfortable uh talking about now uh i i I really kind of want to mix the subject (laughs) (laughs) no no that's fair but i think not even just that movie but i'm just talking about specifically there are movies right get made that that you wouldn't have seen happen before get because out. of what society is like now yeah i think get out when you when you talk about that yeah yeah that. get out that's oh yeah one. that's one that yeah. i think of more well and because similarly movies, movies being critical of past presidents don't seem very new i just think how visceral and the depiction made <sighs> right. is what made vice that way exactly so i i could do a whole podcast in fact, I've done, uh, yeah, I do panels at conventions about various things. And uh, I did a panel at a convention about horror and the role that horror plays in society and sort of a breakdown of common horror tropes and things like that. And uh, generally speaking, horror movies and books and, and whatnot, horror as a genre, tends to reflect the anxieties of a populace. So when you see things like Get Out, I think that very, very clearly reflects uh, sort of the anxieties of of a part of our country uh, at this point in time and, and for a long time, to be honest. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. Not just that, but uh, I remember Splice. Splice oh, came yeah. out back in the 2000s. Right. Uh, that was a good one. You know, anytime you see one of those horror movies where it's like, you know, something goes wrong with technology or uh, like, you know, dark uh, black mirror on Netflix is oh, that's yeah. that whole thing, right? It's the dark side of technology that a lot of people are either worried about or just too uncomfortable to talk about still. Right. Cause that whole show almost kind of has that vibe of just being incredibly uncomfortable. The more and more you watch it. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a great example. Um, 
And I don't, I don't want to get on to Bandersnatch right now, but that was fantastic as well. <laughs> I still got to watch it. I'm so excited yeah. to. Oh, you, you got to do it. Down, sit down and go through it. But, you know, I think that, you know, just tying into your point, right? It, it's what people are, you know, freaked out about or anxious about at the current, at the current moment. And yeah, Get Out was a great, great example of that. Um, and, and I think a lot of these movies that maybe, you know, even in the past, we've had to delve into AI and robots and what's going to happen. I think we Skynet, might see a Terminator. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think we're going to see, I think we're going to start seeing more movies around AI, right? As AI is becoming more and more of a thing that is getting into the, uh, into just, you know, the regular circles of everyday life. People are starting to actually realize what it is. And I, I think you're going to see some probably pretty interesting movie concepts come out of that at least. Yeah. I'm, I'm real excited about that personally speaking. Yeah. Same. Um, you know, like if, if you look back at, at horror movies, it's, it's just so interesting to think about like, you know, zombies, it's, it's pretty clear is like, you know, in a lot of senses, a, a reflection of our fears of, uh, you know, a global pandemic, it's, you know, disease, it's sort of a stand-in for things like Ebola or, you know, any any number of real diseases. You know, you've got vampires who are like simultaneously uh, depicted as immigrants in the original Bram Stoker's Dracula and also having like passing on STDs through, you know, sensual blood contact and, uh, and so I, I really look forward to the sort of you new... can't forget vampires also sparkling sunlight. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you had to go there. Uh, yeah, um, I I would say that uh, that that series is sort of like like the Mormon Bible compared to the regular Bible, where you've got like <laughs> like Bram Stoker's Dracula, and then you've got Twilight. Just like you have the regular Bible and then the Mormon Bible. <laughs> That's a perfect comparison. <laughs> well, I believe I believe uh, Stephanie Meyer is Mormon, so. Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, with all that we've said about movies, guys, do you feel like with everything we said and what we're seeing develop, do you think that this trend's going to eventually go the way, or do you think it's here to stay for a while? Andy, do you want to, or should I? You go ahead. Okay. Um, so something that's important to note in Hollywood is that everything is cyclical. Everything is cyclical. And they, they know that. They know that better than anybody. I mean, we don't really think about it much today. But if you look back into movies made in, like, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, like, they would just make tons and tons of sequels and spinoffs and all kinds of stuff that just got lost in history because nobody cared about nobody them. cared right i mean and spinoffs <laughs> you podcasts on how many spinoffs came happy but right absolutely so you know and then after a while that fell off because people got tired of it and then we started doing different things and then they got tired of that. So we started doing different things and then they got tired of that, et cetera, et cetera, ad infinitum, ad nauseum. Um, and I, I think everybody knows that and they're, they're trying to, to cash in on it as much as they can before the thing changes. Like maybe y'all remember like, 
I don't know, a decade ago or so, it was all about fairy tales. Like everything was fairy oh, tales yep. all the time. And, you know, whenever, whenever one movie in a genre like that does really well, it's suddenly like everybody is like, yes, people are, are on this. Like we can make money. We just got to get in before everybody gets tired of it. So there's this big rush to get all oh, of yeah. these movies out. And then, you know, notably people get tired of it. And some movie yeah. that they thought was going to be a huge success is a big flop. Just and tanks, then, right. and then it's time to move on and you don't see any more of those anymore. Yeah. And not to veer too much into other topics, but you know, you see the same thing in gaming, you see the same thing in TV. Um, it's, it's all about cashing in on what makes money now. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of the same, um, unless somehow it becomes easier and cheaper and more possible for, uh, indie productions to kind of break out and get exposure. And, and maybe that'll happen. Maybe there'll be some kind of shift that makes that more of a reality. Um, and, but I think when it comes to big Hollywood, we're going to see just probably, you know, the same cycles start playing out again, right? It might be totally different in a few years, but it was probably done, you know, 10 years before that. <laughs> Truth. Yeah. A lot of people don't remember or bear in mind, like how long it takes to get a movie made. Oh yeah. So, you know, yeah, a so lot that's of why you have so many, some movies that come at the end, <laughs> right? Like zombie movies that come straggling through at the end of everybody being tired of it, you know, or see. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh so Ben, what what are your thoughts on the trend? I, I think the cycle thing is, is a great analogy. I I'm just so ready for and this is I I mean I love the MCU and stuff. I'm so ready for superhero movies to just die down for a little bit. Because they were really awesome when you were getting like that one amazing superhero movie every other year, but now that one's coming out like every six months, I just don't feel the need to go see. Yeah, I mean, just oversaturated, right? See, I'm the audience for that stuff. Like, I grew up with comic books. I grew up like, like imagining, like in my heart of hearts, that maybe someday these characters would get the movie adaptations that they deserve. Look, I grew up with the with Dolph Lundgren as the Punisher. <laughs> like, like that that was not what I. I mean, you know, I enjoyed the hell out of it, but that that was not really what I wanted from a Punisher movie back in the day. You know, I I wanted like this Netflix series. That came out recently. Like, Ooh, let's oh. not talk about the new season. I haven't started. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I, <laughs> I do love. It. There you go. But yeah, so I, I'm, I'm here. I'm on this train. I'm gonna watch superhero movies for as long as they come out. I'm not gonna get saturated. But I understand how you feel. That's fair. It. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, even though I liked Ant Man, that was kind of the moment I was like, maybe we have too many superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but I mean, in reality, I I feel like we've kind of, from top to bottom, beaten this horse dead, understanding that Hollywood is all about money. So the easiest way to make money is the way that they're going to continue to make money, if that is through the reboot, remake, and the shared universe content sequels. That's what we're going to live with until they find a new way to make money off of it. 
Well, you know, you can tell that Disney has kind of like, like decided that that's the way to do it because they've started branding their parks. You know, whatever the mouth says goes. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they spend a crap load of money trying to analyze the market and see what people want and see, you know, how best buy the market (laughs) could be, could be. But, uh, you know, because because that's the way they're going with, like, you know, the, the actual parks, I think that that model is probably here to stay for a while uh, until it stops making money. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to see them turn around and remodel Star Wars World to be like the old MGM Studio park they used to have there, like when that switch happens again. <laughs> Well, I'm a Star Wars fan, so you hopefully know, never. Fifty years from you know, fifty years from now or something. Yeah, like that ridiculous. Right? Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're going to see it anytime soon. Oh no, Star Wars is going to hang around for yeah. a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. which I, I'm happy about too. So uh, yeah, everybody <laughs> can be happy about their their space swords. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know. I mean, a lot of hate guys. I do like Star Wars. I just also like to point out the ridiculousness of everything. I'm a equal opportunist when it comes to busting chops. That's what I do. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so, um, right. Austin, do you have any media or anything? You know, uh, honestly, I, I just use my Facebook for, uh, for most things these days. I'm too lazy to maintain like a website or like a professional whatever site so it's just my personal facebook and y'all y'all can add me if you want uh just just drop me a note and be like hey i heard you on uh that podcast and uh uh you think you're a cool guy and i'll be like i'll be like block (laughs) in reality austin adds everybody (laughs) if you message him and say why you uh you enjoyed him on this podcast he'll probably accept that friend's request yeah no definitely so uh i will throw his down at these show notes um ben go ahead and plug your uh your stuff here you can find me on twitter at dr fumbles 07 that is fumbles with a z um we are on facebook with our too young to be this old and we are also on twitter with the same thing so all of our media you can also find on our website podcast.tooyoungtobethisold.com show notes depending on where you're looking at right all right thanks ben It'll be down in the show notes, of course. Once again, if you're listening anywhere where you can give us a rating, please do. That helps us. Um, as well as uh, let us know if there's some place you want to see us on that we're currently not. Um, so if there's a favorite podcast provider you have that you can't find us on for some reason, figure out what's going on there. But uh, so far, I think we've done a pretty good job of distributing ourselves. Um, so once again, you know, feel free to tweet at us or post on Facebook on our page and let us know if you had any thoughts or if we uh, totally missed the mark on something, uh, give us some uh, constructive feedback. I would uh, like to give a, uh, a shout out here to uh, a listener uh, from the Twitterverse at Homely Pillow. Thank you for your input and feedback from our last subject in video games. I did reply to that and I know we've talked before. Love to have you on to talk about Game of Thrones. Official first guest. 
podcast. Really appreciate you coming on. Oh, Austin, you're the first guest. I just realized Aww. that. Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, Thanks, you're the guys. first special. <laughs> way, to, way to step up to the plate when all things go wrong. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so I think, uh, you know, thanks again, everybody. So thanks for talking and good night. Good morning. Good evening. Whenever you're listening, you're listening to it, y'all have right. a fantastic day.